The undead? Ooh. Zombie apocalypse, Shannon. Ooh. Welcome to I Tell My Husband the News. I'm Shannon Ray Green, a journalist at USA Today. Each week, I catch my husband up on all the stories he may have missed. He doesn't really like to read or watch the news, so I'm pretty much his sole news source. It's a big responsibility. My husband, Dusty Terrell, is a local comedian in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here, Dusty. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Hey, Dusty. Hey, Shannon. How you doing? Good. How was your weekend in quarantine? It was pretty good. We've been side-by-side nonstop since last Wednesday. That's right. Working from home, not going out much. Yeah, it's been pretty wild. And we're only driving each other a little nuts, not completely nuts. (laughs) I didn't realize, I think you're a delight to be around, but I didn't realize how much social attention you need and that I just can't provide. I'm grateful that you have so many friends. Yeah, it's been a very strange week. We are all trying to do the thing that has been suggested will help with the amount of cases of coronavirus um, staying low, um, and that's social distancing. And for an extrovert like me, it's not easy. But I think it's possible to get on the phone with people and to do FaceTimes and have other social interactions that help you out with it. Unfortunately, on this week's show, there is nothing else to talk about. This is the only thing in the news. So we're going to have a couple of stories surrounding the coronavirus. I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about it (laughs) at this point. But information is power. And it's really great to be able to know good information. And so that's why I really lift up usatoday.com for getting the latest verified information. Um, And I think that's true for a lot of news organizations that you can trust. Basically, the overarching message is that now is the time to be at home. So listen to podcasts like ours and reach out to people, text people, call people. I'm sure that if they're anything like me, (laughs) they would love it. (laughs) And feel free to listen to our podcast over and over again. And if you're just uh, at home killing time, why not write us a new review? That would be great. Yeah. You're doing a really wonderful thing, and it's within the realm of social distancing. I don't want you to think I'm trying to take advantage of the situation, but, you know. How dare you? (laughs) Uh, You can also tweet us. I'm at Dusty Terrell. And I'm at Shannon Ray Green. Or you can email us at itellmyhusbandthenews at usatoday.com. We'd love to hear how you're doing and what you're doing and how it's affecting you. A coronavirus pandemic is sweeping the world. But what exactly is a virus? Is it alive? This was written by my colleague Joel Shannon. He writes, You already know a new virus has brought normal life to a halt in the United States. But you may not remember what a virus even is. They're invisible and can make us sick. But how? And why is it so hard for scientists to stop a new virus? There are many different types of viruses, including ones that affect animals, plants, and other organisms, so it's often a challenge to nail down an answer to even simple questions. So what is a virus? 
It's a microscopic piece of genetic material surrounded by a coat made of proteins. It enters healthy cells and hijacks them, creating copies of itself. When viruses begin replicating inside a living organism, it can cause an infectious disease. In the case of the current coronavirus pandemic, the virus is SARS-CoV-2, and the disease is called COVID-19. So are viruses alive? It's complicated. The National Human Genome Research Institute describes viruses as existing, quote, near the boundary between the living and the non-living, unquote. The undead? Ooh. Zombie apocalypse, Shannon. Ooh. That's because viruses can't function without interacting with a living cell. On their own, they're also essentially inert, unable to move, as a 2017 study notes. Virologist Paulo Verardi told USA Today, quote, by themselves, they can't do anything. They need a host cell to replicate, unquote. Verardi works on vaccine development and is a University of Connecticut professor. He suggested thinking of them like a parasite, an organism that survives by harming another species. But definitively answering whether a virus is alive may be more of a philosophy question than one strictly for science, Ferrari said. So how do you kill a virus? If it's outside your body, soap. Once the virus begins replicating inside your body, it's much harder. Which is why you can't just eat a bunch of soap. Yeah, don't eat the soap. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a bad, bad idea. Don't drink Purell. Don't eat soap. Ooh, <laughs> Verardi said that most viruses, especially respiratory viruses, are easily disassembled by soap when they are outside of your body. As long as you scrub your hands vigorously and rinse well with water, the soap essentially kills the virus. Once the virus begins to take hold in your body, it's up to your immune system to clear it out. Verardi said that there are two main ways that this is done. First, the body can attempt to attack the virus directly, stopping it from hijacking cells and spreading rapidly. And secondly, the body can attempt to spot its own cells that are infected with the virus and kill those cells. That's obviously not ideal and can cause damage to your body, but it's often necessary to stop the spread of the virus. Broadly, Berardi says you should think of the interaction between the virus and your body as a war. As a virus replicates in your body, two damaging processes are at play. The first one, the virus is infecting cells and using them to replicate itself. This process often kills the infected body cells, causing damage to the body. At the same time, the immune system is trying to clear the virus from the body. If too many cells are infected, the immune system's response, targeting infected cells, can also be harmful. This battle can cause all sorts of problems in our body depending on the virus and its location. Inflammation, fever, mucus, and more can occur. In many cases, our bodies win the battle. Viruses like the flu or the common cold are usually fairly easy for a healthy person to recover from. But some viruses can be much harder to fight, especially for people with compromised immune systems. Can vaccines or medicines help fight a viral disease? Yes, but typically only when they target a virus specifically. It's something like the relationship between a lock and a key. You can't use any key to get the desired result. What makes things worse, as viruses replicate rapidly, some of them mutate. When that happens, vaccines and treatments must account for a virus that doesn't stay the same. That's the case for the flu and why there is a new flu shot every year, Ferrari said. Drugs, specifically antiviral medications, can help fight viruses once a person is infected, but they work best before a virus hijacks too many of the body's cells. Again, the same mutation dilemma often applies. I think a virus is alive, philosophically, but okay. I do not think that it has a soul and gets to go to heaven, Shannon. <laughs> that seems fair. Well, now that I have that information on what a virus is, Shannon, 
I'll give it to my body and <laughs> tell it what it should and should not do. Yeah. Isn't it weird that we have no control over that, that war that just happens inside of us? Yeah. It's strange. We just have to trust it and let it run its course. Yeah. In some cases, our bodies are ill-equipped to do right. that. And I think that's exactly why the social distancing is so important, is that we give people who are immunocompromised a chance to avoid getting the disease and being able to not have to have that fight. There's lots of things my my body is pretty bad at doing, Shannon. Like, why is it holding on to all that fat? We don't need that (laughs) fat. Just get rid of it. It would be really cool if you could write a program and just code in, like, do this thing. (laughs) Don't worry, body. I'll give you more food. Don't hold on to that other food. Yeah. Just use what you need. Get rid of the rest. (laughs) This is genius. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense why it does that. Not at all. It would also be nice if I could just tell all the blood not to leak out of my body if I got a (laughs) scrape or something, you know? Don't do that. Stay in there. (laughs) We need it still. Yeah. That's the whole idea of having ultimate control. That would be fantastic. It's It's like we're driving around in this alien spaceship and... All the all the instructions are in a, a language we don't understand, and it's got all these automated features that keep us alive, but we have no control over any of it. And then if one of them just fails, we got to, like, scurry to figure out what's wrong with it and hope that we can fix it. Bodies are weird. Bodies are weird. They really are. Especially my body. <laughs> It's a weird one. Don't worry. It's still safe to order stuff online during the coronavirus outbreak. Here's how to keep yourself and your packages germ-free. This was written by my colleague Amanda Tarleton. Thanks to recent research, you know that coronavirus can stay on surfaces for up to three days. And while you may have disinfected every countertop, doorknob, and toilet seat in your home as a result, there's another surface you may not have considered, your packages. Chances are high that you're getting more packages delivered now more than ever. Amazon certainly comes in handy during a self-quarantine. But in light of all the latest reports, should you be worried about said packages bringing coronavirus into your home? According to experts, probably not. Here's what you need to know about ordering online during the coronavirus outbreak and how to keep yourself and your packages safe. I assumed at this point only robots were interacting with my my online orders anyway, right? <laughs> you thought wrong, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> There's still people involved? Yeah. Fortunately, while scientists say that coronavirus can remain on plastic and steel surfaces for up to three days, its lasting power on cardboard, i.e. what your Amazon delivery arrives in, is much shorter, just 24 hours. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention adds that because the virus is spread primarily through respiratory droplets, you aren't likely to get coronavirus from your mail. The CDC noted on its website, quote, there is likely very low risk of spread from products or packaging that are shipped over a period of days or weeks at ambient temperatures. Currently, there is no evidence to support transmission of COVID-19 associated with imported goods, and there have not been any cases of COVID-19 in the United States associated with imported goods, unquote. 
Unless you ship everything in a virus box. That's a box made out of viruses. Shannon. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't know that they were making them. Why are they creating them? Yeah, don't use them. It's bad. While the CDC and World Health Organization both say that it's unlikely that coronavirus can be spread through mail and deliveries, you should always use common sense and practice good hygiene habits after handling your packages. Review.com has a senior lab testing technician and resident germ guru, Jonathan Chan. And he said, quote, if you are worried, I'd suggest simply washing your hands after opening any packages, unquote. He suggests following the CDC's guidelines for hand washing. Use soap and water and scrub for at least 20 seconds. Or if you can't wash your hands, use a hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol. Other precautions you can take include wiping down your packages with disinfectant wipes before opening them and keeping the recommended six feet distance between you and your mail carrier, i.e. have them leave the packages at your door to avoid coming into contact with someone who could be sick. So their advice is... Wash your hands. I hadn't I hadn't heard that advice yet. <laughs> yeah, it's important. It sounds like what I've been doing is overkill, which is I uh, take a fire hose to the package, and Ooh. then I uh, put it in a container, and then pour a gallon of Purell into that container, mm. and then I leave that container uh, by itself for four days. Is that why our packages have been so wet? Yeah. Just uh-huh. slippery? And... Mostly ruined. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's good news about cardboard, though, because you know what else is made out of cardboard, Shannon? Board games. Oh, yeah. Safe for all <laughs> occasions. Well, how much plastic is there in board games? Because... Don't worry about the plastic pieces, uh, Shannon. What? Focus on the cardboard pieces. And last today, we've got the lightning-fast headline roundup. Does Dusty care about these stories in the slightest? Here we go. Bill Gates is stepping down from Microsoft and Berkshire boards. Whenever I think about Bill Gates, I think, how could I get that guy to give me some of his money? (laughs) But that's true for a lot of people. (laughs) But in particular... Well, he's just got a lot of it. Yeah. Need a human connection? There's an app for that. I think you're misunderstanding what a human connection is. (laughs) It's an app that lets you meet new people. You play a game online and you say hello to some strangers. Is the app called Not For Dusty? (laughs) You might be on the right track if the headline said, need human interaction? There's a robot for that. (laughs) Is the internet ready for a remote workforce? Probably not. But I don't know about you, Shannon. I also use the internet at work, so. Yeah. There are major internet companies that are looking at what it will take to bridge the gap between internet at work to internet in a residential setting. So it's interesting that In this moment, they are trying to make that easier on people and on customers. Does dark mode save battery life? It doesn't matter. It looks cooler. (laughs) Supercharge your slow Wi-Fi with these easy tips. My solution is usually to just call our internet provider and say, give me more. (laughs) And then they charge you more. 
Stegosaurus roamed this Scottish island. Stegosaur tracks found on the Isle of Skye are some of the only traces of dinosaurs ever found in the area. Yeah, I knew that. I heard that uh, they would use the plates on their back to serve haggis. (laughs) (laughs) Say yes to the dress weds 52 couples at once. I say no to the mass wedding, Shannon. Next week on I Tell My Husband the News. Well, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called the news. (laughs) I Tell My Husband the News is part of the USA Today podcast network. New episodes come out every Monday. If you want to check out other podcasts from all across the USA Today network, just go to podcast.usatoday.com or find them wherever you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.